from deep inside your audio device of choice. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, from not Atlanta. That's right. Um, interesting thing about you know Atlanta is a, a gorgeous, gorgeous city of of great cultural depth. As, as many office parks and and malls as you could ever desire. Uh, however, they have discovered something. Uh, maybe it's because of the Centers for Disease Control is there. I don't know. Many universities as well. But they, they seem to have discovered something new about our species, which is that we lack the sensory apparatus to distinguish uh, day-old bottled orange juice from fresh squeezed. Uh, we're going to have to look more deeply into that. Ladies and gentlemen, what the frack? Oklahoma may be only number 12 in college football this year, but it's now number one in earthquakes. Congratulations, Oklahoma. Come, hey, Sooners. Sooners are, are later. Or no, they're, they're sooner. A spokesperson for the Oklahoma Corporation Commission. It's a regulatory body of some repute. It's tasked with the ensuring the safety of oil and gas exploration in the state. Says the Oklahoma uh, Territory, now a state, now experiences more earthquakes than anywhere else on planet Earth. They may, you know, we're checking Mars. We have had 15 earthquakes in Medford, I guess that's in Oklahoma, since 5 o'clock Saturday morning, said spokesman. We've got an earthquake issue, unquote. Before the fracking boom kicked off in 2008, Oklahoma experienced an average of one to two earthquakes of 3.0 magnitude or higher a year. In 2014, the state was rattled by 585. Man-made earthquakes have become so common in the state, local weathermen often report the day's seismic events along with the temperatures. The largest earthquakes, as you know, are predominantly caused by disposal wells where the brackish water brought to the surface by oil and gas dr- drilling is injected back into the earth. And the earth doesn't, the earth's way of saying thank you? Earthquakes. It's a very ungrateful planet. It, the the um, ungratitude of the earth, sometimes it's shocking to me. And then sometimes I don't care. Hey, how, what's happening with our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia? Um, they're adding a member to the Dead Poet Society, apparently. A Saudi Arabian court has sentenced a Palestinian poet to death. Well, what did he do? Did he murder somebody? Did he d- smuggle drugs? No. Good guesses, though. Good guesses for capital punishment. No, he's guilty of apostasy. Abandoning his Muslim faith. Ashraf Fayyad was detained by the country's religious police a couple of years ago and then rearrested and tried last year. The verdict of that court sentenced him to four years in prison and 800 lashes. Don't you know? But after appeal, another judge passed the death sentence on him three days ago, according to Human Rights Watch. Because judges can raise your sentence in Saudi Arabia. The conviction was based on evidence from a prosecution witness who claimed to have heard him cursing God, the Prophet Muhammad, and Saudi Arabia, and based on the contents of a poetry book he'd written years earlier. No comment from Saudi's justice ministry. And it shows that they do have a sense of humor because they have a justice ministry. Um, Japan, ladies and gentlemen, could help Vietnam finally get rid of traces of K-1 
chemical warfare, that's the phrase in a uh, piece from Quartz.com, chemical warfare left in the soil. Who did that? Who left traces of chemical warfare in the soil of Vietnam? You're looking at them. This is from the Vietnam War after the Fuk power plant thing. Japanese civil engineering company Shimizu tested its water pressure technologies to purify some of the soil in the Fuk area. Now Shimizu seems to think similar purifying technology can work for other contaminants, including the carcinogenic herbicide Agent Orange. Shimizu has begun sipping, shipping. <laughs> you, you don't want to be sipping Agent Orange. You want to, you know, if you're going to drink it, just chug it. Uh, sh- shipping, I say, d- Agent Orange contaminated soil from Vietnam to Japan for testing last month. As you may recall, if you're old enough, during the Vietnam War, U.S. forces sprayed Agent Orange across swaths of Vietnamese forest in order to defoliate trees. We were angry at the trees. They were communist trees, believe it or not. No, they, were, uh, they would allow bombers a better bird's-eye view of guerrilla fighters. We had nothing against the trees, as far as I know. They, however, are bitter. Agent Orange contains dioxin, a chemical compound linked to physical deformities, mental problems, blindness, blood diseases, and lung cancers. That's all. And we're angry at uh, Syria for using chemical weapons, you see. According to the Vietnamese newspaper Tan Yen, my favorite, the city of Bien Hoa in the Mekong Delta, didn't Bob Hope entertain there, still has a high concentration of dioxin. Yes, you can blame Agent Orange, or you could blame Bob Hope. It's up to you. And now, we're not number one. Daylight San Francisco, the United States, fell to 28th place on a yearly list of the world's most and least equal countries for men and women. We rank behind Iceland, Germany, and Rwanda. America fell out of the top 20 on this year's World Economic Forum gender, global gender gap report, eight places down from last year. The drop is usually, uh, mostly due to U.S. wage similarity for similar jobs dropping and fewer women in high government positions. And on the list of top 10 wind energy countries, the United States is number two. We're not number one. Um, A lot of discussion, of course, in the week after the horrific attacks in Paris. You know about the female terrorist who blew herself up in a Paris apartment that was raided by the police a couple days after the attacks. Uh, It tells us something interesting, ladies and gentlemen, um, that IS has a uh, perfectly clear dress code for women, either full body covering, the niqab and face veil, or, your choice, suicide vest. Hello, welcome to the show.
From New York City, home of the world's smallest uh, Northern Irish parade, which uh, marched right by me earlier today. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And speaking of the sun, news of the warm, won't you? Award winning. Happened some time ago. You can hear it right now. A new study by scientists in the UK and France has found that Antarctic ice sheet collapse will have serious consequences for sea level rise over the next 200 years. Stick around. But not as much as some have suggested. That's the good news. The study published in the journal Nature uses an ice sheet model. They are beautiful. A little thin to predict the consequences of unstable retreat of the ice, which recent studies suggest has begun in West Antarctica. Scientists predict that the contribution is most likely to be 10 centimeters of sea level rise this century. I got that much right here. Under a mild to high climate change scenario, but is extremely unlikely to be higher than 20 centimeters. That's a significant challenge for adapting to future sea level rise, but it's also far lower than some previous estimates, which were as high as one meter from Antarctica alone. Antarctica! Eh! Organizers of an ice sculpture festival in Bruges, Belgium, say higher-than-average temperatures are causing their energy bills to soar. Ice Magic's managing director, Francis Vandendorp, says the cooling bill will be much more than expected because Europe has experienced an unusually warm November. People are expecting winter, but they don't get winter, said Mr. Vandendorp. He's a man of few but powerful words. The hunting ability and growth of sharks will be dramatically impacted by increased CO2 levels in warmer oceans, according to the University of Adelaide Adelaide study uh, in the journal Scientific Reports. That's pretty clear what they do. Marine ecologists from University Adelaide Environment Institute report long-term experiments that show warmer waters and ocean acidification will have major detrimental effects on sharks' ability to meet their energy demands, with the effects likely to cascade through entire ecosystems. Revenge for those shark attacks, finally. The laboratory experiments, including large tanks with natural habitat and prey, found embryonic development was faster under warmer temperatures, but the combination of warmer water and high CO2 increased the shark's energy requirements, reduced metabolic efficiency, and reduced their ability to locate food through smelling. These effects led to marked reductions in the growth rates of sharks. We'll have them as pets before long. Deadline, Raleigh, North Carolina. Currently, this, the carbon sequestered in U.S. forests partially offsets our emissions. It reduces the overall costs of achieving emissions targets to address climate change. But that itself could change over the next quarter century. The accumulation of carbon stored in U.S. forests may slow in the future 
primarily due to land use change and forest aging. Yeah, now the trees are getting older. They look good, though. Maybe they could have a little work. While the, uh, the rate is widely varying among regions, according to findings by U.S. Forest Service scientists published in the journal Scientific Reports. Future decline in forest carbon sequestration could influence emission reduction targets in other sectors of the economy and have an impact on the cost of achieving policy goals. The trees are not our friends, apparently. On the heels of news from NASA that October's global temperature this year spiked more than any other month in 135 years, virtually assuring 2015 will be the warmest year on record, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration announced this week their data showed remarkably similar numbers. The arresting October heat is a sign of both the steady upward march of global temperatures from warming as well as the strong El Nino boosting global heat this year. Not such a Nino, if you speak Spanish. Uh, And global temperatures are set to rise more than one degree above pre-industrial levels, according to the the UK's meteorological office. That's going to happen this year. Figures from January to September are already 1.02 centigrade, sorry, Celsius, above the average between 1850 and 1900. If they remain as predicted, 2015 will be the first year to breach this key threshold halfway towards 2 degrees Celsius, the gateway, according to scientists, to dangerous warming. Dateline Irvin, <laughs> Irvine, California. Not Irving. There is no Irving, California. Yet. A glacier. But why not, we might ask. And then might ignore the question from then on. A glacier in northeast Greenland that holds enough water to raise global sea levels by more than 18 inches has come unmoored from a stabilizing sill and is crumbling into the North Atlantic Ocean, losing mass at a rate of 5 billion tons a year. Glacier Zachary Istrom. Zachary Istrom entered a phase of accelerated retreat in 2012, according to findings in the current issue of Science. North Greenland glaciers are changing rapidly, says the lead author, who is at the UC Irvine campus. The shape and dynamics of Zachary, Zachary Istrom have changed dramatically over the last few years. The glacier is now breaking up. <laughs> breaking up, just thinking about it. And calving high volumes of icebergs into the ocean, which, which will result in rising sea levels for decades to come. The highly sensitive radar sounder gravimeter and laser profiling systems coupled with radar and optical images from space monitor and record changes in the shape, size, and position of glacial ice over long periods, providing precise data on the state of Earth's polar regions. The glacier is being hit from above and below, said another author of the report. The top of the glacier is melting away as a result of decades of steadily increasing air temperatures. Its underside is compromised by currents carrying warmer ocean water. The glacier is now breaking away into bits and pieces and retreating into deeper ground. Pretty s- s- souvenirs, I think. You know, grab some of those icebergs, souvenirs of a retreating great glacier. World leaders are gathering in Paris at the end of the month for the GOP, sorry, for the COP21 tw- climate summit. New research from scientists reveals the destructive impact the warming global ocean can have on society. For example, a study by a team of U.S. and Australian researchers shows that long-term warming of the Indian and Pacific Oceans played an important role in increasing the risk of the kind of devastating floods that struck Australia in 2010-2011. This is in geophysical research letters. The floods in uh, the northeast state of Queensland claimed 35 lives, caused $2.5 billion in damage, 
flooded 28,000 homes, left 100,000 people without power. So much rail f- rain fell in Australia, it led to a rare filling of Lake Eyre, a large lake system in the interior of the country, and caused a drop in global sea level. Well then, if, if that's all we have to do to get the sea level to drop is get it to rain more in Australia, I say, I say yes, give them the money. The sea surface temperatures around Australia were an average half a degree Celsius warmer than they were 60 years ago, said lead author of the study from Woods Hole. While many past studies have found a global warming linked to heat extremes, the study is the first or one of the first to show how ocean warming can impact a heavy rainfall event. And they're all using impact as a verb now, so don't blame me. Melting glaciers are causing a loss of species diversity among benthos in the coastal waters off the Antarctic Peninsula. Benthos are plants and animals living at the bottom of the ocean or in their sediments. This is going to have an impact on an entire ecosystem down at the ocean floor. Verified in the course of repeated research dives, the results were recently published by experts from Argentina, Germany, and Britain in the journal Science Advances. Uh, I, I prefer that to the journal Science Retreats. The scientists believe increased levels of suspended sediment in the water to be the cause of the dwindling biodiversity. This occurs when the effects of global warming lead glaciers near the coast to begin melting, as a result of which large quantities of sediment are carried into the seawater. And it blinds them. The movement of the southwest portion of the Greenland ice sheet that terminates on land has been slowing down, according to a study published in Nature a couple of weeks ago. Researchers derived their results from tracking ice sheet movement. The finding is contrary to the widely held view that a greater amount of surface melting is resulting in faster moving ice sheets. I don't understand that. And a new scientific study says extremely rapidly warming waters off the New England coast have had a severe consequence, the collapse of the cod fishery that saw too many catches, even as overall cod numbers declined due to warmer seas. This is just the latest in a series of findings and occurrences ranging from gigantic snows in Boston last winter, which scientists partly linked with warm seas, to a sudden and extreme sea level rise event in 2009 and 2010, suggesting that this particular stretch of water is undergoing profound changes. Hey, who isn't? News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. So what, what speaking of the environment, like, like we care, um, what really happened as a result of the BP oil spill? <laughs> oil spill. It, it was an oil spill. A, a, uh, a spill at which the only proper response is, oi. Well, as you know, it wasn't just oil that went into the Gulf of Mexico. It was tons of dispersant, uh, specifically a dispersant called Corexit, because it'll correct it. This from fizz.org. The chemical dispersant may not have helped the crucial petroleum-munching microbes get rid of the slick. See, we were told bacteria eat the oil, it'll all go away. But now, according to a new study, if the results are true, up to half the oil can't be accounted for, says the author. After the 172 million gallon spill, Corexit was uh, sprayed by airplane on the stick to help it go away. Away. You know where away is. Yeah. 
and uh, to help natural microbes in the water eat the oil faster because they would enjoy it more if it was dispersed than if it was all, you know, oh, there's the oil, let's get it. The oil appeared to dissipate, but scientists and government officials didn't really monitor the microbes and chemicals, says marine scientist Samantha Joy of the University of Georgia. I wonder if she gets fresh-squeezed orange juice. So she and colleagues recreated the application in a lab with the dispersant BP oil and water from the Gulf and found that it didn't help the microbes at all and even hurt one key oil-munching bug. This is in the Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists. The dispersants did a great job in getting the oil off the surface. What you see is the dispersants didn't ramp up biodegradation. In fact, she found the oil with no dispersant degraded a, and this is, these are her words, a heck of a lot faster than the oil with dispersant. When the dispersant was applied, little sausage-shaped bacteria called marinobacters didn't grow as they usually do when there's oil. So if the oil wasn't degraded by the bacteria, the question remains, where did it go? Joy guesses it might still be on the floor of the Gulf, where a lot of critters like to live, you know, and eat, but not oil. That would be our friends at BP. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. PBS Kids underwriting changes to provide more space for sponsor message. Oh, yes, I'll read that for you. This is from Current, the trade magazine of public broadcasting. Please give. Changes to the underwriting policy for PBS Kids digital platforms will make sponsor logos more prominent and create new opportunities for delivering promotional messages online. Sponsors of children's content want more underwriting opportunities across platforms. According to Ira Rubenstein, digital senior vice president and general manager, he, to help children's content producers secure that funding, quote, we needed a solution in the digital space, unquote, he said. The PBS Station Services Committee approved the changes effective immediately. Underwriter logos will be relocated to a more prominent spot on each program's home page. Pages that alert visitors that they're leaving pbskids.org will accept informational messages and visuals. And full-length streaming episodes will begin with a pre-roll sponsorship message of up to 15 seconds. The underwriting policy was also amended to clarify that the display of URLs in children's broadcast content and promotional announcements must follow an FCC rule. Web pages where viewers are directed cannot directly link to commercial material. A PBS spokesperson said the requirement, known as the two-click rule, means that links to any commercial material must be at least two clicks away from children's content. Because the kids can't click twice, you know that. You've got kids. They don't, know how, they don't know how this computer thing works. Also, from Ad Age, behind Pepsi's meta-integration into Fox's empire, Pepsi Cola has featured some of the biggest names in music in its TV commercials. But in a reflection of today's ad realities, the soda brand's newest singing star is not Michael Jackson or Britney Spears, allegedly real people. 
It's a fictional character on the hit TV show Empire on Fox. As part of a paid integration with the program, Pepsi will be featured prominently in the plot line of three episodes. A rising star, this is the plot line, rising star Jamal Leon, Leon, son of Empire Entertainment CEO, is approached by Pepsi about an endorsement deal. But he must beat out competing artists to become the new face of the brand. He wins the assignment after creating a song for a Pepsi ad called Ready to Go. On the show, the commercial is directed by Lee Daniels, the co-creator of Empire, who will make a cameo. He did, in fact, direct the real commercial in real life. Then in the December 2 episode, Jamal will introduce the commercial during an awards nomination ceremony. Fox will cut from the show directly into the real 60-second commercial break where it will debut the spot and then go directly back to Empire. You can't turn away from this. The ad will continue to run in Empire episodes when the show returns on March 30th. The idea started as a storyline in the series, not a traditional product placement deal, and Pepsi was then approached for the integration, said the president of ad sales for Fox, who added it was a natural plot point because stars are often tapped for endorsement deals. The integration works because it works for the show, he says. The storyline is true to the show. We made a great effort to make sure this particular storyline is natural and not overly commercial, unquote. Pepsi has done in-show integrations before, such as sponsoring the first two seasons of The X Factor, which was canceled after three seasons. Boy, they got out just in time. But the Empire integration marks new terrain for the brand, says Emily Silver, Vice President of Marketing. It's a truly authentic integration of life imitating art that is a breakthrough for us and for the industry, Emily Silver said. Pepsi and Fox focused on, quote, how do we make this as meta as possible? And that was our rallying cry, unquote. This is taking brand integration to a new progressive execution, said the uh, head of Fox Marketing. It shows what is possible when you engage the best creative minds and bring them all together. Overnight ratings for the hip-hop soap opera Empire have waned in its second season. This will fix that. The song of the ad, which does not include the Pepsi name, was written by Swizz Beats. Pepsi gave strong feedback, said Silver of Pepsi. We feel really, really good about the song. We think it will be a huge hit, said the marketing director of Pepsi. Pepsi executives had access to scripts before episodes were shot, Emily Silver of Pepsi said, but we never made any substantive changes, partly because we spent so much time up front briefing the writers on what our brand stands for and the key truths to the Pepsi brand. There was language occasionally that we would massage just to bring it slightly more in line with what we wanted to say or to make sure there was nothing that was out of our brand guardrails, unquote. You like the language? Me too brand guardrails. That's a keeper. She added, for us, for us it was all about making sure it felt right for our consumers, both consumers of the show and consumers of the brand.
Brand guardrail is a phrase consumers of this show would not have known about had I not read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Like a fish gets caught on a hook, you'll go for a line, get hit with a book. Like a cop puts cuffs on a crook, baby, you'll get yours. Like a clown falls down from a slap, you'll fall for sweet talk and know you're a sap. Like a bear walks right in a trap, baby, Get yours like Eve, who tricked old Adam, had to pay the cost. A great voice boomed and said, Madam, get lost. Like a spider spins a web and waits for a fly, you'll fall for a gent, some hard-hearted guy. When he walks out whistling goodbye, watch those swinging doors, cause you get yours. Just like old Adam she had to pay the cost a great voice boomed and said madam get lost like a spider spins a web and waits for a fly you'll fall for a gent some hard hearted guy when he walks out whistling goodbye watch those swinging doors Cause you, you get your Ladies and gentlemen, we've had, uh, I've had, no need for a royal we here, uh, no need for any we here. The, uh, I've had uh, some disgruntled listeners uh, complaining that there's uh not nearly enough attention paid on this broadcast to um, fascinating subject of Formula One racing, Formula One auto racing. I'm going to rectify that right here and right now with a new weekly feature, uh, hopefully weekly, dedicated to... What? I'm, I'm in the middle. All right. Uh, we appear to have a, a, a call on the newsmaker line here in New York. I didn't even know we had a newsmaker line here in New York. But... Um, Apparently, some urgency to it. So let's uh, let's take the call on the newsmaker line right now. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, this is Donald Trump calling. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to talk about uh, I want to talk about my campaign. Let me be uh, serious about uh, my presidential campaign. I know you've heard of it, I, I even though it. you have kind of a loser show there. Well, I mean, no. uh, what you just lost your Philadelphia affiliate? Yes. Who loses a, a station in Philadelphia? What do they got? Well, I I think they've got a third rerun of Car Talk or something. But yeah. yes, I now we've we've not you've you've called virtually every other show on Sunday, 
So I, I, I got to the bottom of the barrel. Let me be honest with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I called Meet the Press mm-hmm. so often. Chuck Todd told me if I did it again, he was going to have to call it Meet the Trump. But <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to talk about, you know, that th- there's been all this uh, press and the media, which you, you wonder why the people don't trust the media. Yeah. This week is a perfect example. Well, a person asked me about whether I would approve of a database for Muslims. For Muslims yes. in this country. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. I right. would absolutely approve it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the media is saying Donald Trump's in favor. Donald Trump comes up with the idea for a, a database of Muslims. Yeah. I didn't come up with it. A reporter came up to okay. it. I just said, absolutely, I'd do it. Yeah. Well, but but you, you wouldn't know that from the media. Okay. But uh, just to, okay. to nail this down, yeah. you do approve of the idea. You would do it if you were president, well, right? I, I approve a lot of things that I wouldn't do as president. Oh. I mean, you know, I I, I approve of gambling. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't gamble as president, would I? Would you? I, I don't know. Maybe I would. Well, but getting back to the database, yeah. uh, do but you I, think it's it's uh, American or constitutional to make a database of people based on their religion? Let me tell you something. Okay. Believe me. Okay. I, be, I, I, I know this for a fact because I heard it on television. Yeah. Ben Carson says we should make a database of everybody, yeah, regardless of religion. He did. What's constitutional about that? What's well, better about that? Mm. Who, why are we wasting our time with all the Christians and the, and the Jews and the hoodlums and the Muslims and the whatever? Uh-huh. But, you know, there, there are people that are trying to attack us. We know who they are. Why? What's wrong with having a database of those people so if something happens, we know, oh, it's them. It's not uh, the guy from the deli. Okay. Uh, so how would, you, how would you go about constructing this database? Would you just have people at mosques register, or how would you do it? See, I think a, that question this, is— This is a gotcha question. <laughs> it's a total gotcha question. Well, no. I say I'm in favor of something because somebody asks me a question. All of a sudden, I'm supposed to know how to set it up. Well, Look, we're going to have the best people in the world. Maybe Carl Icahn knows how to set up a, mm-hmm. a database of Muslims. Maybe, maybe uh, the wonderful people that I'm going to bring in, one of them has got to know how to set up a, a, a database of Muslims. Well, if not, we get the best people in the world to do it. Okay. That's how you do it. Yeah. That's how you lead. Mm. That's what a leader does. Well, or I negotiate with the Chinese to get it, or I, or I pay the Mexicans to do it. You know, there's a million ways to do it. So what I'm hearing, Mr. Trump, is yeah. that you don't see anything wrong with the concept of constructing a database of Muslims only. I don't see anything wrong with anything. Mm. But this is a time of danger. Yes. What a president has to do is assure Americans, we got a country here. Yeah. we got to have a country. Uh-huh. you got to have laws. you got to have borders. So who's coming across the borders? Mm-hmm. The Muslims. Mm-hmm. So you got to know who they are. Right. How do you know who they are? you got to have a database. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's well, all? let me just uh, uh, cover something that we didn't cover at the beginning. Okay. Uh, are you calling from, from uh, Trump Tower today? You know, I, because... could, I could be calling from Trump Tower. I could be calling from Trump Plaza. Yeah. I could be calling from Trump Soho. I could be calling from uh, Trump Atlantic City. Yes, I that's... could be calling from Trump Vegas. I could be calling from, from, from Trump anywhere. <laughs> I am calling from Trump Tower. Okay. And you know why? why? Because it's the most beautiful place in the world. Have you been here? No. You have to come here. Okay. It's the most beautiful building. There's never been a building like this. That's what I do. I build places and I, and I would build a wall and, mm-hmm. I, and a door okay. in the wall. Let, let me ask you about that and, while, you're, yeah. while you bring that up. There okay. was a, a report this week, I believe, from Pew that said that um, Mexican immigration has slowed to the point where the net flow of Mexicans into this country has been reversed, and there are now more peop- more Mexicans leaving this country yeah. than uh, coming in. So how would your door affect that? Well, you know, I, I saw that on TV. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid. Oh. It's ridiculous. Really? There's a door. It, 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 if they can't get out, yes. these are the people that we want. 
there's the, the people, you know, the people that, that uh, are, are doing jobs that we wouldn't do. Uh-huh. Why would we want them to leave? Well, the people we want to keep out are the people that don't want, we don't want in here, the criminals and the drug addicts and, and the, the rapists. rapists. So if, if they're not coming, mm-hmm. then the door keeps the good people in. It, it's so stupid for that, but that's a gotcha question, of course, and that's what the media like to do no, is I, a gotcha question. I, I, and I understand that, but, no, you but know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't think it was yeah. gotcha. I just thought it was, it raised an interesting uh, paradox, Yeah, it's perhaps. a paradox to you. It's a gotcha to me. <laughs> Look, okay. I, I wanted to tell you one more thing mm-hmm. before I go to talk to an, an important show. Okay. Uh, I, I've got something for the holiday season. Oh. You know, because the the, the campaign is all about, uh, you know, negative stuff. And I, I, I am down in the country. I think mm-hmm. we don't win. No. We don't win yeah, yeah. at anything. Okay. Well, and we... and I, as I talk about that, people say, well, you're so negative. Uh-huh. You're just dealing in the negative And you got to be, as a Republican, you got to be optimistic and you got to be pleasant. You got to be smiling and all that stuff. And I, I, I understand that. I don't believe it. Yeah. I think it's stupid. Well, but, uh, this is the holiday season, yes. and as a, as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, who wouldn't be in the database? I wouldn't be in my own database. You see? That's yeah. how fair it is. Wow. But I, I did come up with something, or, or people came up with something for me, mm-hmm. uh, that expresses a more optimistic view of the holiday season. Oh, great. And I thought maybe you'd like to uh, share it with your audience, because we've, we've set up a, a line to feed it down the line. Really? Uh, so it'll sound halfway decent. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think you'll agree. It sounds more than halfway decent. It's probably the, the best sounding thing you'll hear this year. Well, but it's it's my Christmas song. Oh. It's a song that uh, was written for me that uh-huh. expresses how I feel about the season. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a waste of my time if you don't want to play it. All right. Just it. let but, me check. We, we are set up to do that? What's with okay. The, what's with All right. People? So, yep. uh, uh, sir, what's it yes. called? It's called Christmas a la Trump. What else would it be called? <laughs> All right. Then let's hear it. This Christmas Day is going to be incredible. The food will be great. You've never had it so edible. The gifts will be best in the world all the experts agree best of all instead of Santa Claus it's a big fat bearded me it's the best holiday season there's ever ever been like you're at one of my casinos and all you can do is win trimmings that you may not believe like a hen or tom turkey Mm-mm, that's extra plump sure it's great to give but even more amazing to receive it's gonna be christmas i'm a trump Last Christmas Day was a disaster. This one will be better and it will go faster. You're gonna have the most beautiful tree, big and tall and old. Forget those silver ornaments, these will all 
be gold This is gonna make New Year's Look very Chinese They're gonna be jeweled chandeliers They may even be a trapeze You're gonna absolutely love this day Great care of the women and the men. Mexicans are killing us, but no way, Jose. We're gonna make Christmas great again. Great again. Again. Christmas all at Trump. Yeah. Was that you singing, Mr. Trump? It wasn't me. I, I, I'm not a good singer. Oh. It's one of the few things that I don't do. You know, I'm a great golfer. I heard. I'm a great golfer. I've won yeah. at everything, uh-huh. but I don't win at singing, so I didn't do the singing. We got a guy in, the best guy in the world to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. He does all the commercials. He does all the movies, sure. the scores, and soundtracks and yeah. everything. Yeah. And he, guy, he, he listened to me talk, and he just thought, I, this is the way I would sing uh-huh. if I was a singer, yeah. which he, which I'm not. Yeah. But I think he, was a, he did a great job. He did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably should learn to sing because I'd be great at it. Yeah, I think you should. Don't you think? Um, I, I know that you're, you're busy and you want to talk to uh, more more people. Well, you know, you've got a loser show, Harry. Yeah. I mean, I you know, you should be in the database. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Donald Trump, thank you very much for calling well, from Trump wherever today. You're going to check later on. You're going to have the biggest rating you've ever had today. I, I should hope. And the show continues.
This is the show, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. Dayline London, the Metropolitan Police at Scotland Yard has spent an estimated three million pounds, that's about five million dollars, settling payments for seven women after admitting they were deceived into abusive, deceitful, manipulative and wrong relationships with undercover police officers. The force was the force was forced to unreservedly apologize for the, quote, totally unacceptable, unquote, behavior of officers who violated the women's human rights while working for two now disbanded units. One of the payout recipients, Helen Steele, suggested Scotland Yard could face more claims. As she said, the seedy antics of officers were even more widespread than reported. A Spanish television reporter has apologized for confusing a Star Wars image for an Al-Qaeda insignia during a newscast. This was uh, in Spain, actually, TVE's Jota Abril. Apologize. A Utah school has apologized after a teacher asked children to create an Islamic State propaganda poster in class. Parents complained after they found out about it at Salem, Salem Junior High School. School officials swiftly canceled the assignment, stressed it was not part of the curriculum. The first-year teacher prepared the worksheet for about 69th-grade students. It said, information has been including to help you better understood what groups like ISIS want and why, unquote. Among the eight reasons why Muslims joined the Islamic State, according to the teacher, were America's support for Israel and Western societies are immoral. She later apologized and said she only meant to teach how extremists use propaganda to spread untruths. She didn't apologize for her bad grammar, but she's only a first-year teacher. Deadline Washington, the Secret Service director, appearing deeply embarrassed, apologized again this week for actions of agents working under him and told Congress that dozens were being disciplined for their efforts to discredit Jason Chaffetz, a Utah congressman, who was investigating misconduct inside the Secret Service. Oh, what a tangled web. The Democratic mayor of Roanoke, Virginia, retracted his earlier statement about Japanese internment camps and apologized to anyone who was offended by the viral remarks. David Bowers told those attending a special city council meeting he didn't expect his statement to go viral. He apologized for his statement. The harm it caused the city of Roanoke and the offense it engendered in Japanese Americans across the country. On Wednesday, he had positively cited the World War II era practice of rounding up and placing Japanese-American families in internment camps across the United States in a statement on Syrian refugees. After an 11-0 season that included nine shutouts, the boys of the West Philadelphia Tar Heels' Mighty Mites were hoping to roll into the playoffs and continue their domination all the way to Disney World. But a mid-season change by Pop Warner League officials has pulled the prize of a Florida trip out of the reach of the inner-city kids, leaving them, their coaches, and parents disappointed. The Mighty Mites is a training division that's not competitive, said a national spokesman for Pop Warner. He's sorry the 17 boys are disappointed, but he defended the decision as fair. Representative Linda Sanchez of California, the chairwoman, Democrat of California, chairwoman of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, is disappointed in how some NBC executives handled a meeting with lawmakers in which NBC News President Deborah Turnus referred to undocumented immigrants as illegals. Turnus later apologized. She was describing her network's integration with her Spanish language network Telemundo. One lawmaker, according to Politico, corrected Turnus when she used the term illegals to describe the incident. Turnus apologized for using the term, according to the account and a source familiar with the meeting. 
A social worker at Troubled Veterans Affairs Hospital in Phoenix has been placed on leave after he wore a Halloween costume. Last Halloween costume apology, ladies and gentlemen. A Halloween costume to work that appeared to mock a disabled Marine who was punished for reporting the mishandling of suicidal veterans. The social worker supervisor, who allegedly allowed him to wear the costume all day, also has been placed on administrative leave while the VA brings in outside investigators to sort out what happened. We're conducting a fact-finding investigation, said the uh, official. The Phoenix facility has been under a microscope for a few years. Well, that should be uncomfortable. The uh, employee has apologized to his colleagues, to his colleague, the uh, disabled Marine, and to his supervisor, saying he meant no harm. The uh, employee runs therapy groups for veterans with substance abuse issues. It did apologize in emails to his colleague and to his supervisors. He, uh, he dresses up as a different colleague for Halloween every year. You know, maybe people shouldn't be dressing up in costume when they go to work. Just a thought. Apple Music head Jimmy Iovine is apologizing for his comments on women during a CBS This Morning interview this week. said, I could have chosen my words better. He appeared on CBS This Morning with Mary J. Blige to, to talk about Apple Music's three-part ad series that hopes to reach more women. I always knew that women find it very difficult at times, some women, to find music. And this helps make it easy with playlists curated by real people. He continued to explain how women could use Apple Music to find the right soundtrack for their moods. He didn't explain why iTunes now refuses to burn some songs to uh, CD. That, but that's, his remarks immediately sparked a social media backlash, and he backtracked, saying in a statement, our new ad focuses on women, which is why I answered the way I did, but of course the same applies equally for men. I could have chosen my words better, and I apologize. King and her CBS This Morning co-host Charlie Rose and Nora O'Donnell defended Iovine, said his comments were taken out of context. And by the way, since when does a news show have a feature where they pre- premiere a new advertisement? I guess since now. Welcome to now. Any more apologies? Let's just see. Yes, Bangkok organizers of a Bangkok uh, organizers of a Bangkok run have apologized after they miscalculated the distance of a half marathon, forcing runners to cover several extra miles through the sweltering city. That's a good one. And finally, fa- fashion retailer Zara has found itself in the midst of a controversy after a security guard denied a woman in a hijab entry into one of its French stores. This type of mentality is unheard of at Zara, and there have never been instructions to act out this way. The brand apologized to customers on Facebook as well as to the customer in, in question. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, on the Mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archived, harryshear.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast from Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it'll be just like having a choice between Niqab and Suicide Vest. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, next on Hawaii desk. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead, to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans, and to Jason Isaacs here at WNYC in New York for help with today's broadcast. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago. I did, I just said that. What is wrong with you? The email address for this program, the playlist of the music heard here on and your chance to grab some Cars I Talk t-shirts for the holiday season, all available at harryshearer.com. And you'll find me on Twitter. I'm at the Harry Shearer. from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. So long from New York.